Welcome to Dragon Talk! Yay! Oh, 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 Dragon Talk! Oh, happy new year, Dragon Talk! Last official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, Dragon Talk episode of 2020. And I have to say, good riddance. We have rolled a 13. I rolled a 12. (sighs) I beat you. You did. That means you had a crappier year than I did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know, I was reflecting on 2020 this morning as I was getting ready for our last official Dragon Talk of 2020. And I was thinking back, what a year of like all of the guests that we talked to. We have had some amazing conversations. We have talked to great, wonderful, inspiring people from this community. We had a bunch of equipment sent to our houses in March. This seems extreme just for a couple of weeks. And yeah. now look, nine months later. But you know what? We never stopped recording. That's right. We, kept, we stayed continuous. We, uh, we might have had like one week in there where we, where we stopped. But like it was uh, a, a train that kept on moving, that Dragon Talk train. Yes. And it was important. And I really loved hearing from people who are talking about, you know, listening to Dragon Talk while they're taking long walks or on their drives to their jobs. You know, we have some essential workers that we've heard from that, you know, haven't stopped working, but they've kept Dragon Talk on in the background. That makes me feel so, so good. And so we appreciate all of our, all of our listeners and, and all of the people in this community that have there's just a well of of inspiration yeah it's never it's stops dragon talk on a long walk it sounds <gasps> like uh perhaps oh the working God. title for uh for, for our book maybe uh, even a special chapter Ooh, i like all that but it has been especially gratifying you know i i know this has been a disruptive year for a lot of people and for us to be uh, a consistent voice that allows people to escape for a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. hear about their favorite game, maybe ha- understand a little bit more about uh, a community member they either are a fan of or have yet to be a fan of. You know, uh, it has, me- has meant a lot to um, to everyone out there and to us. You know, honestly, I think you and I and Ryan and Lisa and everybody who puts together this uh, podcast, we appreciate all of the goodwill and we are sending it right back to you lifting you up yes and ryan and lisa they haven't stopped either like they you know there was never a disruption they were just like the the show must go on and it did and it's you are like freddie mercury and queen uh you know, Jim Broadbent in Moulin Rouge. You are keeping this show going. I want to be like Freddie Mercury. Can I be like Freddie Mercury? <laughs> I don't know. Can you do that like, uh, you know, ba- uh, eating Not the microphone even. thing Not with the close. extra teeth? You know what I heard on a random the trivia? <laughs> that Freddie Mercury is able to hit the notes that he can because he had extra teeth in oh, his jaw, out. which allowed him to open up his mouth larger. I'm not really sure. I feel like that would deter you from opening your mouth. That's what like- I thought. But um, um, I think we are channeling that energy uh, on Dragon yeah. Talk each time that I say welcome to Dragon Talk and open my mouth up and say it to it everyone. Is. That must be it. We've it got is. an awesome interview to close out 2020. We are talking to Stephen David Wark, uh, the marketing guru behind Warriors of Waterdeep, a fantastic mobile game set in the Forgotten Realms. 
that combines strategy and uh, uh, you know that mobile game fix. You know when you're waiting in line, probably less yep. now, but you know doing other things and and, and jumping in and, and leveling up your characters. So uh, lots of great updates have been happening with that game, and he's ready to come in and tell us all about them. Uh, yeah, I think he's even gonna give us some. Some spoilers. Some spoiler I, alerts. Huh? I mean, I kind of feel like it. I feel like we can get it out of him. I think so. I think so. Longtime D and D fan, of course, uh, and uh, we talked to him before, leading up to um, you know previous uh, events. You know, and uh, honestly, really missed uh, hanging out with him. You know, during this year's D and D live. But hopefully, next year or twenty twenty two, we'll be able to roll some dice together. Uh, but we'll be talking to him in just a couple minutes. Okay. Um, to everybody out there, I hope you're enjoying. D&D Entertainment in this month of December. We've got some great holiday-themed live stream games going out there. Yes, and recorded games. Yeah. Lots of lots of D&D holiday content, and it is just delightful. It is delightful. It is yeah. delightful, in fact. And since you'll be listening to this uh, leading up to when we'll be uh, debuting a very special D&D holiday special with several cast members from Stranger Things. Isn't that oh, amazing? God, even just hearing you say it, I feel like I'm hearing it for the first time, even though I'm not. For the first time, for the last time. It's it very exciting. Very exciting. And I can't wait for everyone to see uh, Finn Wolfhard, uh, Gatton Matazaro, as well as David Harbour and Natalie Dyer. Natalia Dyer, I, I, right? That's yep. I, I'm mixing up her her character name with her actor yeah. name there. Um, but uh, all of them playing with Chris Perkins in a fanciful holiday special. Uh, so that's on December 18th. Check it out on the Netflix YouTube channel. Uh, and we'll be, of course, tabbing it on all of our social media as well. So give a look if you're if you're looking for a nice fun D&D holiday special to jump into as well as um a fan of the stranger things you know entertainment milieu uh well here's how you can get your fix yeah and i know that i'm on the 18th will be doing a little like old fashioned old timey gather around the old laptop and listen to some D&D stories as yep. told by chris perkins Get what a, could go wrong? Sip a hot cocoa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Curl up in my blanket. Put up some Christmas lights that spell out uh, letters behind you, and that's see how if, we'll while you're watching. To each yeah, other. see, yeah, while you're watching, that the people online will start thinking about a certain letter, and then those lights will will, will light up. Not creepy at all. No, 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 not at all. No, nope. Nothing creepy about the content of this uh, adventure either. It is nothing but family fun. Oh, just that joy throughout. To the world. <laughs> <laughs> when are you going to release your Christmas album, Greg? Soon. It's like the it's like the Chevy Chase uh, school of <laughs> singing yeah, Christmas carols. Joy yeah. to the world. Sorry, I've watched. I've already watched that uh, at least three times this season. <laughs> It's is worthwhile as long yeah. as, as well as you know all the princess switching and all that those rules uh, are quite good. You know what else I watched? What? Die Hard. And I'm gonna be honest, that's the first time I've seen Die Hard. What? You've I never, never seen that film? <laughs> no, I'm like, why is this a Christmas movie? So we let Quinn watch it, which is great for him because it's like every <laughs> tenth word is an f bomb. He's like, this is the best movie ever. 
Um, well, I've got one thing to say to you, Shelly. Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> Yippee! What's the what's the? I mean, we won't say that. Yippee Kaye. Yippee Kaye. I always I always get it mixed up. Even before I saw the movie, I was saying cock a doodle doo, and Bart's like, "What? <laughs> Who are you quoting?" I'm like, "Bruce Willis." Like, come on, everybody knows that from Die Hard. <laughs> I see deceased people. <laughs> like, mm, it's not quite that. Cock-a-doodle-doo, dead people. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's the movie. <laughs> oh, that's the ultimate mom reference. That's I so know, I'm the coolest. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm still a little on the fence about it being a Christmas movie, but okay. Well, it takes well, place during Christmas. That's about it. It's like it's yeah. like Rent, the, the musical Rent. Is it a Christmas musical? No. No. But does it take place during Christmas? Yes. Same okay. with Okay. I mean, you're not going to see it on... Hallmark channel anytime soon, but whatever. It was still December good. It was very 9 p.m. Eastern <laughs> Standard Time. Uh, I got some very interesting news coming about that particular performer uh in the future. Uh, but I will say you I'm very jealous of you, Shelly, because you get to talk to one of my favorite dungeon masters oh. in our next segment. That's me quoting That's right. him. This is a Chris Lindsay quote. He rubs his hands together every time something god-awful is going to happen in a game. Yes. <laughs> That's his tell. I miss being in meetings with Chris Lindsay and uh, having the, the table shake. Because of the, his <laughs> laugh or because his twitching leg? Both. Yeah. Both. He is a thunderous, uh, uh, you know, th- he's a thunder wave of a dude. And uh, he is. I can't wait for this How to DM segment. So let's uh, get him on the horn. Okay. Hello and welcome to How to Be a DM. I am here with a very special guest, Mr. Chris Lindsay, product manager for Dungeons and Dragons and former dungeon master for me. How are you, Chris? I'm good. Tell me. I'm great. Those days of of being my dungeon master, those were some of the best days of your life. life, They were were (laughs) not bad. (laughs) <laughs> I'll take that. Coming from you, I will take that. I have fond memories of those games, yes. I have fond <laughs> memories, too. Those were the days. Well, you're an excellent dungeon master, which is why I thought of you for this, what I think is a very difficult uh, topic and sure. um, something that I think probably a lot of, of inexperienced dungeon masters might be intimidated by, and that is how to balance encounters now when i hear that the first thing i think of is math sure so i don't like it already uh but i know it's important what do you mean no no No? uh well no no i i mean i i understand how you might immediately like default to and now we have to do some kind of math in order to make an encounter work but in, in some cases that might be true, but in most cases it's not. It really depends on what you started with to begin with. So if you if you had an encounter to start with, okay. right, um, you know, it could be as easy as subtracting a monster or adding a monster, right? You know, I think what's probably a good place to start is what does it mean to balance an encounter? Like, what, what is that? When like, people talk about it, but really what does it mean? 
Okay, this, yeah, let's start from the beginning. Okay. Uh, so uh, here's the thing. When you have an encounter that you're going to run for your players, um, as a dungeon master, uh, you want to have a, an outcome in mind uh, when you go to run the encounter. So if the outcome is that they're going to do very well, um, then that should always be in the back of your mind as you're, as you're create, crafting the encounter and then as you're running the encounter. Um, and, and by the way, this is the same for um, all three pillars of the game. So it, it doesn't, we don't have to just talk about combat encounters, although combat encounters are what a lot of people seem to focus on because they can be very math heavy and intimidating. Um, however, um, it's just as true for a social encounter or an exploration encounter. You, you want to ask yourself as a dungeon master, what you hope, where you hope the players are going to, or the characters are going to be at the end of the encounter. And then the balance is basically dictated by that. So, for example, if the player characters are attacked by a band of gnolls and your goal is to just introduce them to this really vicious tribe of gnolls, but nothing else, you know, um, you would craft the encounter in such a way that the player characters would probably succeed unless something went horribly wrong for them somehow, okay? Um, if, if your goal was that the characters are going to be captured by the gnolls, then you are going to balance this encounter more differently. You're going to attempt to overwhelm the characters in a way that makes that possible um, and still uh, uh, and still kind of convey that idea that this, this, is, this was meant to happen, not necessarily meant to happen, but this, this, this could have gone differently depending on how the dice went, right? So one of the things that we always have to remember is that we have this funny thing called a D20, mm -hmm. and it is a very swingy polyhedron, right? Uh, since it's broken in increments of 5% from 1 to 20, um, an encounter can go a lot of different ways just based on how people are rolling. And when you get a string of really good rolls as players, um, you can turn an encounter, an encounter that was supposed to go very poorly for you based on what the Dungeon Master had designed to an encounter that... Um, you completely just walk over, right? And vice versa, if the dungeon master gets a string of really sweet rolls and they keep them, um, it could go badly for the player characters. So yeah. balance is just one of these things where you are, as a dungeon master, you have to know where you want to go and kind of stay focused on that and then pay attention to the game as it's unfolding. So is there like a formula like how okay so i don't know i, I it's like one of those things like i don't know what i don't know but you, when i ask you this question you have to answer it like you're talking to an adult who doesn't understand second grade math that's fine because i i don't understand second grade math oh, okay. but that is not my fault um <laughs> it's this new way that they're doing it kids these days and their number lines um is there, like, if you have five players, say they're fifth level, oh, my God, it, it's starting off like a second grade math problem. I already hate it. There's five yeah. players, and they're all fifth level. 
and you don't want them to die, but you want sure. them to be challenged. Yes. So first of all, are your do the monsters they fight are they like how do I level them up? Like what what is there okay, like an equivalent so, so of but monsters don't have levels, they have challenge ratings. Yeah, so how do you match that? Uh, and so um, you want to, there's a couple of different ways you can do it. Um, now, because I treat our books more like encyclopedic references, mm -hmm. um, I don't have like all the little tables and stuff memorized. I, I, can, I can pull a book <laughs> that out. That surprises me, it, right? but okay. Um, so the, of the two books, I'll show you, we have, we have the Dungeon Master's Guide, which yeah. showed off how to do this first, right? And then the next uh, reference we have to use is Xanathar's Guide to Everything, okay? Between these two references, this one is easier to use. Okay. Um, because um, uh, the, the designers in their work saw that this was a little on the complicated side, and they created a series of tables that... that like really breaks it down for you. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to put on my old man glasses here for a second and I'm okay. going to take a look really quick and I'll show you. Okay. Um, so if we're looking in the section here for crafting an encounter. We are going to do this on the fly. We are, we're going to just, we're <laughs> going to just break this out and we're going to, we're gonna do math here. All right. Um, I want to say we're doing it live, but we're we're kind of recorded, so yep. that's okay. Um, so uh, crafting encounters. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. And you're you're in Xanathar's guide, not the DMG. I am in Xanathar's guide to everything. Okay. So, for example, you said what happens if I have fifth level characters, five mm -hmm. fifth level characters, right? Yep. So it shows you right here, um, here is a table that goes up to fifth level for characters, right? Okay. And then as you go across, it will tell you how many monsters of any given challenge rating you could use for a regular encounter. So I can choose any of those or yeah. so mix for example, and match them? If you have five fifth level characters, and by the way, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that all of the math in this book, conveniently enough, is based on a, a party of five characters. Oh, all um, right. Good to know. Um, so things change a little bit, uh, but, uh, oh, no, 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 this is per character. So okay. if you have a fifth level character, you could have uh, two CR1 monsters, right? Okay, that's it? I feel like they would take them For down. For one, one fifth level character. Oh, per character. Yes. Yeah. so then now, now you have five fifth level characters and you can have, I don't know, anywhere from, I, I'm going to give you a range because I don't like to just go directly with the numbers, maybe somewhere from six to ten CR1 monsters, depending on how hard you want this to be, right? Well, I guess, could you keep some in your back pocket? Like you could put out seven and then they're like, if they just blow through those seven, you can be like, okay, well, here's three more <laughs> just happen to have a little secret of mine. Maybe it's not so secret is uh, I like environments where things can hide behind other things because sometimes there are additional monsters behind those things. And sometimes there are not. Okay. So, all right. And so it's a good, a, maybe a good rule of thumb is like 
start with what you think is yeah, going to work. I, I'll, but I no. like to start low, and then if my monsters need backup, I might give them a little backup. I okay. give them a, three or four more gnolls or whatever, or a couple more gnolls, whatever the case may so be. Do you mix and match your monsters, or do you, like, is it always, like, I'm going to have seven gnolls? Um, no, I mix and match them. Like, okay. it, like for example, in, in that, that same gnoll encounter, I might put in, like, to begin with, I might put in four or five gnolls, and then each one of them has, like, a hyena with them, like a little pet hyena. Okay. That's not as, not as dangerous, but, right? And if uh, I wanted to goose the encounter a little bit, I might have like one more null come in with like five more hyenas. Oh, okay. Okay. Right? I guess. And then if things were starting to go real south, maybe, and there was three hyena, hyenas left, you could make them run away. Like you're the dungeon master. Like you can. There, there, there is a, there is a, a point in any given encounter, particularly I think with, you know, monsters that are even quasi intelligent where they start to realize that their life is in danger okay. and that they need to break this off and that maybe they had made a poor life decision in attacking these adventurers. So okay. they would definitely uh, at some point be like, okay, I'm out. Now that doesn't mean that the, the characters as we all know players, PC stands for plot corruptor and players will be like, no, <laughs> I'm going to cut them down before they get away. Um, and that could happen, but the, the monsters will make every effort to get out of there sometimes. So, uh, you said that these I could have one to, or I forgot. Now I forgot the numbers. But a, a monsters that had a challenge challenge rating of one. Yeah, it was it was two challenge rating one monsters, right? Yeah, for one for one fifth level character. For one fifth level character. So yeah, like the challenge it, rating and the level are not they are not equal. No, no, okay. no, no, no. The I, math doesn't work that way. Uh, okay, I think that. Yeah, that was the part of the whole character up. would have a reasonable chance of survival at that point. Okay. All right. So when people balance encounters on the fly, like depending on what's actually happening in the game, it's really a matter of adding and dropping monsters. It is if you're if you're talking about a encounter where you have multiple creatures in it. Okay. Right now, the tougher encounter. What do you do when you have one monster? And that monster is rocking your party because they're a solo monster and maybe they're legendary. And oh, no. Right. Oh, yeah. Wait, yeah. How? What if you just want one monster? It's yeah. not just going to be a challenge rating of one. No, no, so how do you, no. Oh, then it's so a much bigger critter. So different rules for like a multiple monsters versus a solo yeah, like, monster. Yeah, like now, now here's how the math does play out kind of the same, right? So if you had your four to five fifth level characters and one CR5 monster can okay. be you would have a reasonable chance of success as players. Okay. Right? Now you don't have to have just one CR5 monster. You could have two or you could have one CR7 monster and it just gets harder. Okay. Well, how do you know? Right. Is there a, a chart for this too? Yeah, it's all in Xanathar's right here. Okay, so there is like specific rule. Like if you're if they are just coming up against one monster, this yeah. is it there's, tells a, there's you. a chart specifically for the solo monster encounter. Okay, all right. Well, then it's not okay. Easy. It's not terribly challenging. Now, when you look at the Dungeon Master's Guide, if you if you really are if you are a person, for those of you out there who love math, if you like to do math and you want to get down into the fiddly bits, you can mm -hmm. go into the Dungeon Master's Guide and it will break it down to you. 
by basically the XP value of oh. the monster and a bunch of other factors that are in there. Um, and if you want an uh, interview where a lot of math is done, you should have got Jeremy Crawford because I'm not your guy. So Is this like the uh, XP threshold and stuff like that? that I, yeah. I looked up in the DMG and I was like, no, just too you, much. Shut it. You have to know order of operations in order to do those encounters. Okay. Remember order of operations from like, you know, middle school? Yeah, I'm having some PTSD right now. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Okay, so I think maybe for, would you recommend for a new or less experienced dungeon master, maybe just use the table, just go by the tables that are in the book. Yeah, if you have a copy of Xanathar's, it can be a blessing, go by the tables in Xanathar's, it's very simple. If you want to see an example of how that might be used in a written adventure, Yeah. Um, if you look at, there are three adventures. They are available um, digitally only, I believe, on uh, on uh, D and D Beyond, and I think they're available on Fantasy Grounds and Roll Twenty. Um, and uh, the first one is called Stormlord's Wrath, and the second one is called The Sleeping Dragon's Wake, and the third one is called Divine Contention. And these were created to immediately follow the adventure that was in um, the essentials kit, right? So those encounters are specifically written out to um, uh, to use Xanathars. So for example, oh. if, if there is like, if there were an encounter with gnolls and hyenas, it would say, okay, for every character in the party, use one gnoll and um, two hyenas or use three hyenas and one knoll for every other character in the party, rounded down, right? And it just Whoa. gives you a very simple formula and then you do it, right? So so say you have five members in the party, yep. that gives you two knolls and like 15 hyenas. Oh, cause you round and down, you, okay. Yeah. 15 hyenas. Oh my God, okay. And then- All those pesky hyenas. And you don't have to do any more, on, if everything's just going as planned, then you just ride it out. There's no need to like- yep make someone run away or add another hyena. Okay. So exactly. That's I, just in crafting the encounter. I don't know why, but I feel like a good way to practice is just with one encounter and willing participants just because like for, for me, I'm not really scared of the role play. I'm not really scared of like the story part. It's the it's the encounter stuff that that scares me because it's like there's stuff happening. It's happening fast, and I have to like, you know, manage fifteen hyenas, but also, you know, I, I make sure that it, it's balanced and going smoothly. I I want I just wanted to practice. Like say say Bart and Quinn, they're a party of two, and I'm going to just yeah, practice you, running you. an encounter. Is this a good idea? Because I just feel like. Yeah, no, Carving if you want to practice running a combat encounter with Bart and Quinn, uh, you could do that. Quinn will win. And Why will he Bart win? will just skate through. I don't know, because he... You think I'm that kind of parent, that I'm just going to let my kid win? No, because he beats you <laughs> at uh, Dungeon Mayhem all the time. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> oh, yeah, if we're actually going to talk about, like, hit skills here, then yeah, he'll win. <laughs> <laughs> and that is why I'm not the type of parent that lets him win because I don't have to. No, no, he just you don't does. Have to. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, uh, yeah, that's a great. That's a good way to, to 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 test out some encounters, right? 
Um, yeah, that's probably, is that how you play test them? Test them? Exactly how you play test them. Oh, well, okay. It's all, yeah. Yeah, that is exactly what that is. So when we write an adventure and we get together, we play it and we're play testing it, you know, as a dungeon master, I might be making adjustments during the play test to the encounters as we're going along. Um, uh, I might verbalize those to the players or not, but I'll be making notes going, okay, so definitely five of these is way too many. I only okay. use three and they're already like, you know, sucking wind. <laughs> so um, I would totally, you know, make those notes to myself as I'm going through and in running the encounter. Um, sometimes more challenging uh, encounters. And I, some people find these more um, accessible. Like you were saying, you're really good at role-playing encounters, but like, oh, I, I didn't say that. Play, I, I just said I was less scared of that. Less I just, scared of I didn't them? say I was good at that. There's no math. But the, the thing right. is, is that when you're running a role-playing encounter, like ahead of time, I might jot down, well, here are some possible questions the characters might ask. Then during a play test, when they actually ask a question, I will write that question down and then write down my answer to the question and then tell them the answer. Oh, Okay in the role play because they'll come up with questions that I didn't think of. Oh, okay. Interesting. Right? And we, we can manage that role play interaction and we'll have more options for the dungeon master. Now, still, once you start adding more and more groups and players and stuff out there, there will still be more questions. And it's always good to put that note in there that yeah. says, if you're running this and it isn't answered here, you're going to have to use some of the information available in the adventure and kind of extrapolate or the NPC could lie. And that's also possible. <laughs> nice. Okay. I like that. Is there not only players use deception? That's true. That's true. Um, is there a good amount of time to sh- like? How long should a, a combat encounter last? Is there like a good rule of thumb there? Is it ever like, oh my god, this is going on way too long? Clearly, I've unbalanced this. Or is uh, it no? Just- generally, if you want to look at math. Uh, again, and you don't have to do any math. I can just tell you this this rule of thumb, and it's pretty much true for how they design the game. Uh, your your average encounter um, lasts about three rounds. An average encounter lasts about three rounds. Okay. Yeah, yeah, more or less. It could go. It could go four. Right. It might go two if the somebody gets the surprise jump on somebody or something. Um, now, when you start talking about things like legendary monsters that will probably ratchet up the number of rounds you run in an encounter. Um, so, or not legendary, epic, sorry. I, I'm, I, for some reason, I'm default to the legendary mythic creatures that they put in, uh, in Theros, which to me are like the most awesome penultimate cool ass creatures ever made because each one is worth two uh, legendary monsters. And uh, yeah. Oh my God. There you have it. They're awesome. Uh, okay, so if if the, the table tells me, let's go back to the the monsters, and it says you get yeah. to have um, two CR1 monsters per person or per player, yeah. right? So then yeah. I just go through the books and just choose what monsters I want that yeah. are CR1? Yep. Any ones I want? Uh-huh. That sounds fun. Yep. Now you're shopping. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Uh-huh. So I just go monster shopping 
I know what I have to spend. I have 10 CR1s to spend. Okay. And you got any tricks of the trade for that? Like, uh, is it, like, do you prefer, I know you like a little bit of variety, but like, is it better to have like five and five it, it, of the same or it doesn't matter? It's just dealer's It really choice. depends on, this, on the story I'm telling at the time. So. Oh, right. Story, story. That's right. Yeah. I keep thinking of this in the context of like, I'm just going to run encounters. It's just going to be encounters all day every day but yes okay so i guess the story part would be dependent but otherwise it really doesn't matter like in terms of balance no. like you can just you can have 10 different monsters you could yeah Is if, that... if that yeah now 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 players want some degree of immersion and stuff like that so if you want to be consistent it, so you're saying now now one thing to do is to keep them inside monster types that make sense to be together okay right so for example um you know if you want to 10 cr1 creatures if you wanted five of five ghouls mm -hmm. and like a whole bunch of zombies to go with them that makes sense you'll see that together okay right? okay right? do you have any recommendations for um if you're new, again, we're talking to an, an, less experienced dungeon masters or new dungeon masters. Are there mm -hmm. monsters that are just way easier to manage than Yeah, others? usually humanoids are really easy to manage. Um, kobolds, goblins, I'm a big fan of. Okay. Um, of course, your classic uh, orc, um, gnolls. Um, and then, and then from there, I would go from humanoids to giants with things like ogres and trolls, not actual like cloud giants and stuff like that, but like the little ones. Your uh, basic ones size giants. Large. Okay. So the things that look like a, a, a person, but, you know, and they generally function like a person, um, even if they're not generally right, um, you, you, can, you usually as a dungeon master have a pretty good sense of what they, what they're like and what they would do. Okay. All right. That's good. Um, all right. So this has been, this has been really helpful. Is there anything else that you would recommend other resources or tips or tricks for, for these new dungeon masters trying to figure out this balance thing? Um, all I'm going to say is, is try whatever comes into your mind, be creative and, um, uh, and forgive yourself if you do something that might accidentally kill off all the player characters um, and totally forgive yourself if you let them run over the encounter. Um, never yeah. tell them that you goofed <laughs> because the dungeon master does not make a mistake. You may, you may have done something that had an, a repercussion that you did not intend, but they don't need to know that. Right. So, so dungeon masters, in my not so humble opinion, are flawless as long as you keep it all behind the screen. All right. So there you go. I like it. That's cool. Okay. Um, have you ever, have you, I can't remember if you've ever killed any of my characters, but you've probably hurt them very badly. At least once or twice. Did you feel bad about that? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and with Not that, we <laughs> will end this interview now. Um, Thank you so much, Chris. Thank um, you. This has been super helpful. And I yeah. think I'm going to like uh, go look up some tables and start throwing some monsters at my family. See what happens. Cool. 
I'm going to go talk to Jeremy. <laughs> Sounds good. Have a, have a meeting with Jeremy. Talk All to you right. later. Thanks, bud. Bye-bye. Bye. Mr. Chris Lindsay, um, I don't know if, if everybody in the who's listening knows this, but there were at one time on the Dungeons and Dragons team, like 12 people named Chris, it feels like. <laughs> um, it's, it's been whittled down. Of course, people have moved on and done different things, but that's why we always refer to Chris Lindsay as Chris Lindsay. Uh, he yes. is not, he's, he's, he's not a one Not his middle name, not a person. hyphen. He's not a Madonna. He's not a, a Cher. He's Chris Lindsay, and he will always be Chris Lindsay in my heart. Right, because Perkins we call Perkins, Tulak yeah. we call Tulak, but he's Chris Lindsay. Yeah, yeah, because Lindsay's a you know a name on its own too, so it's it, it lends lends to confusion. Uh, there, yeah, so Chris yeah. Lindsay just rolls off the tongue. Um, so well, that's great. A wealth of information there, that guy. So just another tool in my Dungeon Master toolbox. I can't wait to hear balancing uh, in 2021 how your New Year's resolution is going to be Dungeon Mastering. Every day. I mean, I kind of kind of do Dungeon Master every day. Yeah. I tell myself to get out of bed. <laughs> and then I roll some dice and decide if that's a good idea or not. And then a beholder shows up and disintegrates you <laughs> every single is, day. And his name is Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let us uh, see if... Uh, Stephen David Wark has a beholder waking him up every morning. Okay. Let's welcome Stephen David Wark to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! Hello, hello, bonjour, Woo! hi. Yes, we have a we have a studio audience here. I don't know if we told you that. Oh my goodness! Did you hear? <laughs> yeah, hear the, the, the people. <laughs> they sound like oh. Muppets and they wave their hands a lot. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Very Excellent. excited to have you return to Dragon Talk. Oh my goodness, yes, it's been a long time since I've uh, since I've been on the been on the air or since I since I've seen you. I think it was uh, I think it was a D and D live the Descent. I think that, so too. Uh, the last we spoke about uh, things and gelatinous cubes and the punching thereof and all that. Yeah, but that was <laughs> last year, right? Yeah, I was like something like that. Just a couple of months. It's very is, fresh in my memory. <laughs> but is that when the is that when Warriors of Waterdeep? Launched? Yeah, the world launch was uh yeah, was was, was May twenty nineteen. It was it was you know, so it's, uh, so it's hard recently to... and yet so long ago. <laughs> um yes, because to me it feels like like there hasn't really been a world without Warriors of Waterdeep. But <laughs> But it's hey. only been like a year and a half. It's only been a year and a half. Well, you know, tack on a year for soft launch and tack yeah. on a couple of years of pre-prod and stuff like that. I uh, I was looking at my, uh, my my Google Calendar and I realized it's been like about five years that we first pitched this to uh, okay, maybe that's to wow. Wizards. Yeah, yeah, way back when I first saw, you know, D&D patches and I saw stickers from that era and stuff like that. So that was, it's been, uh, yeah, it's always been part of, we've always been warriors of Waterdeep. Yes, <laughs> I feel like, like that is true. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, there's been so many great updates and things happening uh, over uh, the course of uh, thing, which we'll totally get to. But, um, you know, how, how's your how's your D&D &D, uh, going? Have you been playing uh, here during the quarantine? Yeah. Yep. We've been playing during quarantine. Thank goodness we have all the electronic tools available and we, we have all the in-office networking. So right. we are continuing the, uh, the Storm King's Thunder campaign, which is about three years going strong, you know, which we is about twice a month, I think, by the time we get all the lunchtime wow. meetings squared away. 
and so we we're we're going strong theater. So you know, the book's been out for a while. Spoilers. So we've 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 done some stuff, and we've traveled to some planes, and we're I, I feel like we're almost at the end, but I'm not really sure if we're <laughs> what's left. It's the one book in the free library that I don't read. Right, because uh, you want to like I don't good. want to spoil. I would be, be surprised. I mean, I had to. I, I scoured a little bit. Sarvin was introduced in that book, so I read that paragraph, and then I read all the comic books, and that's the, that was the, <laughs> the extent of my the extent of my research for things like that. So nice. we're we're going strong. We've actually with team and company turnover. Like uh, there, I think well, two of the original characters are left, and everybody else has had happy side quests, and we're but we're still foraging on. So Mercy, the tiefling paladin, who is very invested in uh, building codes as a way of uh, guaranteeing justice for people is building codes. They're like building a, codes, okay. building codes. My, uh, my girlfriend's a building inspector. And so she has all the lingo. And so I just thought it was funny to start talking about granaries and drainage and, <laughs> and, 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 tile. and uh, that would just like, it, if it was broken, it would inspire my, my righteous wrath. And then we would go, you know, stop yeah. those giants from wrecking things. I imagine you would have like a high intimidation too, because when you roll into town, everybody's like, "Oh no, 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 no. nothing's oh, to code. Nothing, we- nothing to see here. <laughs> nope this this edition's always been on as part of the inn. Nope, yeah. <laughs> everything's good here. <laughs> that is an interesting, um, an interesting take on a character. Yeah, I like it. It proves I need you a hook. can take any yeah, character concept like and turn it into uh, something that's fun and entertaining. <laughs> I feel like an artificer might work too for uh, for oh, someone yeah. who's you know trying to deal with codes and things like that and how to how to do correct buildings. Mm-hmm. I like exactly. it. So three Digging years. This ditches. campaign's been going for three years. Three years. This campaign's been going. You yeah. are yeah. you are really getting a lot out of that one book. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we're having we're having tons of fun. And then you know when the characters leave or die, then we get we we, we take advantage of all the source books coming up. So we're looking forward to the Tash's level of characters now. Oh, we, nice. <laughs> yeah, so, I would imagine. Seeing that book come out and playing the same character for three years, I'd probably be like, mm, yeah, <laughs> "There's some fun stuff." It we might can be try time here. to retire. <laughs> yeah, it might be. It might be time for to be a little more reckless, perhaps. Yes, <laughs> a little there more you go. On. Time like to take some chances. Yeah. Yeah. So, what kind of characters do you tend to play? What's your What's your type? My 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 aspiration is always to play uh, some version of a showman. Some version of a performer, some version of a con man swindler, you know, face from the A-Team was my favorite, was my favorite TV character. So I mm. sort of like run along with that. But I really, something only really sparks if I get like a cursed item or a magic item that gives me like a really straightforward uh, objective. So, you know, give me a sword of vengeance and then it's so much more, more fun. Or I, you know, I get a, an axe of giant slaying and I find an excuse to also use it as a sextant or use it as a... <laughs> As, a, as an industrial tool and, and and that's fun so i don't know i don't know why it is that way but that's how i that's how i like to play i have a player in my campaign who is like so every weapon he gets he's like so does this weapon talk to me uh-huh. <laughs> and i'm like uh no it's not it's just a plus one it's not a sentient weapon he's like oh, okay. oh. <laughs> so, Oh, I, I really basically, cute. I've taken the hint finally and been like, all right, yeah, this thing talks to you. And you're not really happy with what it says. So, you know, maybe. Uh, yeah, be careful what you wish for. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you're right. Some people just love having it's, those uh, role-playing prompts, uh, yeah. you know, from, yeah. from items or, or patrons or all those types of things. You should make it be a five-year-old child personality <laughs> that wants to tell you about what they just saw on YouTube. <gasps> hey, oh, mom! <laughs> <laughs> And then this they is- were playing them, and then he said this, 
And then there's like, <laughs> I oh, I have plots of 30-minute sitcoms explained to me. And I'm like, I don't, it's not funny when you tell me. Oh, <laughs> no. It's a, it's definitely you had to be there kind of thing. It's always, always. In the middle of school, Quinn is in the middle of school, and he turns around me and he goes, Mom, Jesse's moving. And I said, what? Who the hell's Jesse? I don't even know this person in your class. What? Are you? He's like, Jesse. You know my favorite TV show. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Why are we talking about this? Do your math test. Bye. Right. Yes. And then we can talk about you know all the Super Sentai shows that we've <laughs> <even> been <laughs> yes. studying when you should have been studying. Right. Or the exactly. latest episode of Psyche K or whatever the manga is. And yeah, <laughs> what are you watching on that school? Issued iPad, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me, let, me check, let me check these things. What's going on? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, so so yeah. Speaking of the five-year-old kid thing, uh, yeah. I really like playing the starter set with my kids because I think the wizard had a personality prompt where like, his journal is the most important thing in the world. And uh, my son really took to that. So he narrates as a Dear Diary entry every spell he casts. What? Dear Diary, the magic missile flew forth and took out two goblins. Oh my it was a good day. That's how we, that's how we, he, he tweaked to it. It was amazing. I love that. <laughs> how old are your kids? Uh, so now they're teenagers. Now they're like in the 13 to 17 range. But when we started playing, we played, you know, once the, the set came out. So it was, you know, like, uh, I think it was three years earlier than that. So he oh, was, wow. he was probably 14 when he, uh, when he started doing that. And he thought that was really, he just thought the, the notion was, was really fun. Yeah. I love that. I love how he, how he role played that. That's really cool. Yeah. It's good to have, uh, you know, so many times you just do spells and you're like, ah, I cast blah, blah, blah. And you don't really narrate it. But I love having like, what do you do? What does it sound like? What yeah. uh, uh, what motions do you make with your hands? What does the spell look like? And so you look like, you know, your son already had that ready yeah. to go. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, I feel like I think you might have been the first dungeon master that I played with that asked that, asked that question. Well, what does that look like when you cast it? What does like, you know. How, how do you cast it? I think it was in that game that we played um, with Lauren to introduce her yeah. to D&D. I'm like, that's interesting. Because yeah. usually you just say, well, I just I cast Burning Hands. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it right there like in the dice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it sounds like the rolling <laughs> like of dice. It sounds like a bunch of dice <laughs> rolling on a table. Yeah. What's your, because uh, you're a player in that in the work campaign, but what's your dungeon mastering uh, style like? I uh, I stole a lot of ideas from watching the live streams, from watching like like at the descent and uh, and a stream of many eyes. So I tell the story. I always keep one goblin in reserve because sometimes they kill too many things and I can't lead them along the path. But they get really excited. I I'm a kid's DM. I don't I I haven't DM'd with uh, my colleagues. I mean maybe I could use the same style. They would they wouldn't be surprised necessarily. <laughs> but so uh, I I DM like that. I try to you know, tease things out from them. Like, tell me how things went wrong. Tell me <laughs> when you, when you roll the, uh, the crit miss. And uh, that works out really well. They seem to like these, they seem to like these props. Um, yeah. I want them to reach the end of the story. I want to redesign the characters to reflect whatever TV show they're currently obsessed with. Nice. Uh, so it gives them something to, uh, to hang on to. So uh, at one point, going back to the starter set, uh, my daughter was really into makeup tutorials and uh, Jeffree Star was, you know, all the rage at that particular time. So I made the glass staff be Jeffree Star. I don't know why. I'm not even sure it was appropriate, but I just knew that she would get the reference. Oh, my God. As a big... I, cool as a dad. Big, I like... <laughs> very cool dad. You're cool I mean, dad. How wrong I could I have been, that. though? I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know either. That's amazing. I can't help you. <laughs> Uh, I love the idea of like the like kind of celebrating the fails too, like well, like you know, making that just be as fun and important part of the game as as when you hit, like you know, yeah, okay, you missed. What does that look like? Well, and 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 you know, and sometimes the kids are like, like it's not my fault, and then they'll come up with a good reason why something happened that it wasn't their fault. And it wasn't a case of, you know, I rolled low. That must mean I didn't put all my, you know, oomph into it or I was distracted. It, yeah. You know, was a stray butterfly or it was somebody uh, making a big noise and startling them. Like there's, they find ways of making the excuses for it, which was kind of fun. Yeah. That is yeah. True. It's a good yeah. way to, you know, keep, learn the lesson. Like failures, you know, you roll with yeah. it. No pun intended. You roll, you, <laughs> you roll with it. You, you know, you, you change the plan. You don't change the objective, right? So yeah. you... <laughs> Yes. They find a they find a way to get what they have to do. Yeah. Well, I support so, that. In addition to playing all the Dungeons and Dragons, a big part of what you do is run marketing for 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 Ludia, right? Yeah, uh, brand manager on this project, so I'm uh, in constant communication with the with the marketing team that make up you know all the Facebook posts and uh, plan the reengagement campaigns and uh, launch trailers and videos and stuff like that. So I'm trying to figure out all the different ways that we could reach out to as broad, uh, a wider population of, uh, you know, active players and potential players as, uh, as possible. is a lot of fun and arguably not a real job. I mean, it is a real <laughs> job, but it's hard to persuade people that it's a real job. What'd you do? I thought of ways. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> and uh, it, it, see, there are like, they're cool social media trends, right? For, for ads and things like that. So at some point, like game advertisements would be playable or they would be, they would be have uh, trivia questions embedded in them or things like that. And so we'd play with that or we'd, we'd look at all kinds of ways to engage people with, um, with our cool art and our cool concepts just to get them guessing. Like, so we're starting to roll out, um, you know, name that figure silhouette puzzles on on, uh, Instagram because we're starting to preview upcoming content. And so mm. we want to see what the guesses are, which is also kind of, you know, market research at the same time. They see this and what do they really want? Oh, noted oh, <laughs> for next time. Yes. But uh, in the meantime, it's always fun to see how many times it takes to get a guess uh, correct, right? When we launched our, um, our Coriolis uh, character, we had a little teaser, a little animated teaser with, um, with a silhouette of the, uh, of the character. She's a gnome uh, sorcerer. So we had this, you know, the shape and we had some things, um, some orbs flying around her. And it was fun to see what, uh, what players were looking for. What did they say? Did they guess? Well, they, 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 uh, they went artificer really quickly because uh-huh. it was kind of like a mechanical thing. And that potential hadn't existed at the time that we planned for the character. So, I mean, that was wrong, but it was interesting to see, Oh, you know, like a lot of people are interested in, you know, an artificer. Some people had been keeping close tabs on, uh, on the release schedule. And they're like, well, we don't have a gnome yet and she looks tiny. So I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to say gnome and then they, they by uh, elimination, they figured out what it was, but it, that character in particular was a, is entirely a Ludi invention. So they couldn't, you know, they couldn't get the name. <laughs> I hope not. That would be corporate espionage. <laughs> but they, they got, <laughs> they could figure out what it was and then, you know, hope what, uh, what flavor of, uh, of sorcerer it would be. So that was, uh, that was a lot of fun to see for like a week of, um, was it a week? Maybe four days of previews on the uh, on the social campaign before we then we showed the full picture and then showed a, a trailer with you know in game footage of what uh, of what she did. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, what goes cool. into creating 
a new character? Like, how do you decide who to bring out and choose their race and their class and what they can do? And what's the process? It's, there's so many different ways to start about it. So one of the goals for the project, and like a personal goal, was to have one of everything from the, the player's handbook. I wanted to, I wanted, you know, if this is a D&D game, you should have, we should have a sorcerer, we should have a rogue, we should have a ranger, we should have one of everything. We should have one of all the core, the core races. Uh, so that was important. So by process elimination, it's easy to figure out what the next characters will be. There are fewer combinations to go. Uh, sometimes we'd we talk with, you know, wizards and the creative team and say, are there, what characters do you have that fit these slots? Like, you know, a human monk or, you know, a dragon, dragonborn ranger. And they would, they would come up with these, uh, with these options. So we look at that uh, in terms of what fills out the, the world, I think, in an interesting way that might give players of all types and all preferences something to, you know, identify with and attach themselves to and be interested in, in playing. Um, and then we look at mechanically what's where we're at in the game, because the game, you know, has evolved over, you know, definitely since the, the world launch and even from the soft launch, we add new mechanics every time we add a monster and we add new mechanics every time we add a boss. And we were able to maybe reuse those for the hero's perspective for a player. So like what, if this is going to be a sorcerer, what kind of thing could we, what kind of thing could we do? Could we put in um, a wild magic? Okay, so let's use all those randomization mechanics that we had used for uh, some of our monsters and put them in to the hero and give the player that sense of, uh, that sense of power, not necessarily control because it's, it's random, but, you know, directed or maybe directed chaos for that so that would come into it and then uh, you know creating this the backstory of the character is sometimes we talk to the team we brainstorm that we brainstorm with the team and look at what kind of personalities we might want to bring to the bring to the front bring to the fore of the uh, of the character so we look at these kind of things some people are inspired by their own characters there's a little bit of the yeah. team and all the characters that are there where it's possible right i mean some characters already exist and we're just adapting them faraday is Faraday from the, you know, from the novels and from, from other games. So there's not a lot of wiggle room there, but uh, other characters that are, you know, invented can, you know, maybe have a shout out to, you know, dad's old campaign, for example, or, you know, somebody else's uh, personal favorite and I'll put it into the flavor text and let it, uh, let it grow like that. So we want to, you know, maybe start with the mechanics um, once we know what the, the race class combo is and look at the mechanics and find out what the singular thing that character is really good at. So in the case of the, um, the sorcerer, lots of randomness yeah. um, to represent the wild magic the way we could. I couldn't like summon like a herd of unicorns. I loved looking at that list in the player's <laughs> handbook, but there were, there were limits. Yeah. <laughs> but Come the on, idea. get more unicorns in the game. More unicorns. Are, flumps, maybe, please? Could we just, oh. like, for no reason, just like, yes. could we have no, I love, you know, no, but yes. maybe later, like I, it's in my mind, it's in my head. <laughs> you heard for it example, here. For example, we had, um, uh, we were looking for a druid, uh, character and we have one. It's, uh, it's, uh, pickle boulder shoulders from the Salvatore novels mm-hmm. and, you know, from the, from the Dritz, uh, you know, family sort of, of characters. And we needed a druid that didn't shape change because at the time we were making the list, we didn't have the mechanics for shape changing but now we do. So another druid could, nice. as we, you know, as we advance through. So the the longer the game lasts, the more mechanics are available for uh, for different kinds of characters and creation, which is super exciting. Like every new thing makes more things. 
Yeah, it's almost like the game itself is a character that just keeps leveling up and just getting yeah. XP and well, you can keep doing cooler and cooler things. It's almost Do like I have it's a metaphor for life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Very yeah. Deep. Well, and I love that you, when you're saying like how you come up with new characters, like it kind of starts with mechanics or like what you can do and then you build on, you know, the role playing and stuff. And yeah. that's kind of similar to this game in general. I mean, there's a lot of role playing and, and, and story within it, but it is very, uh, you know, much should appeal to players who love that tactical feel of like, how do yeah. I best these monsters in the most efficient mm -hmm. way, um, move uh, people around, you know, characters around and assemble the best party to make that happen. So, you know, players out there who uh, love that part of Dungeons Dragons 5th edition, um, you know, are they responding positively to playing Warriors of Waterdeep? Yeah, yeah they, they really are. They enjoy uh, that type of maximization. Now, the range of possibility is necessarily limited, right? Like one spell does many, many, many things. Like we might, ref we might, you know, drop the name, you sort of name drop whole monster, but it, whole monster does a whole bunch of stuff and we only do one part of it, but it's enough to keep the flavor intact. And uh, it's enough to have the battlefield management so you can solve the puzzle of getting past, you know, spike traps and things that are hard to move or, or just these, you know, giant tanky meat shields like the, you know, like the gelatinous cubes and uh, solve the problem. But interestingly, without emphasizing magic bullet solutions. Like there's no one critical combo that's essential to get past any one thing. Players can be creative with their, um, with their character loadouts because you get to swap the gear on the hero. Mm -hmm. Times for heroes, you can have quite a bit of variety uh, and quite a bit of synergy in between things. You can have everybody setting up the mage for one very large uh, large attack, or you could have, uh, you know, all, you know, all your healers and one rogue, which has four strikes a turn and, and, and things like that to, to solve the problem. So they get to compare notes online and uh, see what, how they've, uh, how they've solved things. So that's, that's really fun to see. That is really cool. I mean, you you mentioned puzzle and it does make it almost feel like a, um, like a chess puzzle or something you'd see put, printed in a magazine, you know, back in the old days, uh, printed in, in newspapers uh, <laughs> that would get delivered to our doors. Um, but those only had one solution, right? Like there yeah. was like only one way to make those uh, a success. And it can be really fun, you know, uh, to, to bend your mind to make that happen. But that's what makes D&D &D tactics so much fun is what, exactly what you're just describing is that there's, there's multiple ways. And it's, that's the flavor that each player is going to bring to, um, to, to playing through um, all these scenarios that you guys have set up. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, we, we, there, we really did want to fall into that. I know it's not like, it's kind of, it's almost a design trap, right? Because then you have just so much design inflation to go into, into it too, right? If you only have one solution to one problem, it, it's, it's, uh, it can be, uh, not it can be limited because you have to invent stranger and stranger and bigger and badder and more and more, uh, more and more threats. But, uh, with something more flexible, you have lots of room for surprise. I am forever astonished about how our kindly cleric turned out in this game. Hmm. Once we once we added the once we added the uh, the PvP uh, attribute to it, our lovely Doctor Who inspired Halbin at the cleric, who is the most peaceful of people. Uh, we 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 gave them um, Sam Markovia's thigh bone. 
uh, <laughs> nice reference to to Ravica. Uh, yeah. Sorry, not Ravica. Sorry, Ravenloft and uh, Curse of Strahd. That was that was lots of fun. And the, the ability for that one is, uh, you know, heal yourself and give death ward or death immunity to a random uh, party member, and that's great for battle because you're you know you're helping friends survive. Uh, uh, it's really funny in uh, in PvP when there's nobody left but you, and how when it turns into John Wick, <laughs> because at a high enough level, there's nobody else to give the death word to, and it's almost like there are no witnesses. He's perhaps they're really not that nice, <laughs> and they and they avenge all their friends, all their fallen <laughs> foes. Oh, because the death word goes on it. him each time. Yeah, it all goes on him. It all goes on. Sorry, uh, uh, non-binary. All goes on 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 them, and oh, they yeah. uh, and they just they just you know single-handedly win you know 60 percent of the battles. Like like it's not over wow. when there's just Halbinet. It's almost like oh now you're in trouble. Halbinet's <laughs> Halbinet's mad, and they can just keep healing themselves. And they can just keep healing themselves oh, wow. and going, and they don't. Sometimes they run out the clock, and sometimes they just you know overwhelm the other characters that don't uh, that don't heal i wasn't expecting it at all i laughed so hard when somebody shared um that john wick quote from um, <laughs> from a guild chat to the team chat i'm like oh, yeah that makes so much sense i maybe we should lean into that a little bit so this is the the, the mm. element of surprise that's just just terrific with this uh, with these types of games is the default on that spell that it has to go to someone other than you or could you always just give it to yourself? It has to go to, it goes to somebody random. So oh, we random. To have it oh, yeah. Okay. So if it's random, then it's then random. The only so we one could there. even, hmm. yeah, if you're only one there, then, then that's how that, that's how that goes. Uh, and that's a quirk of the mobile gaming and uh, just, or at least the way that we try to design things is being sort of every interaction is one tap, not tap and target. And then maybe make a sub target because. Thumbs get tired. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Look at these things as ways to as ways to think. Of, you know, you're playing you're playing in transit, or you're playing you know, at work for research purposes, and you want to get it over with quickly. And so you <laughs> so, research. So there you go. Research. Yeah. So I just I, I'm stress testing it. I want to make sure the servers are okay. <laughs> yeah. But it's fine. I'm coming up with new strategies. We want to help you test the yeah, servers well, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's why we didn't do like you know, sub-selections for it. Either you select the person, the target directly, or if it's random, that's even faster. And we it lets you it lets it be a little swingier, which some people really like and some people really don't like. But I, I do. Think it all, I, I think like it all the random, out. which is why I like sorcerers. There you go. I just like feeling <laughs> like just out of control. <laughs> You will love Coriolis. She is uh, a pack of trouble. She's always helping, but she okay. never knows how. There's a, like a, <laughs> I'm going to buff you <laughs> somehow. Maybe you didn't want the AC boost this turn. Maybe you really wanted healing, but I did. I did my but thing. I helped you. <laughs> it's a one of wonder. I just it's fresh out of the shop. I don't know what to. <laughs> yep, can't help you. I mean, I can help no. you, but I can't really help you. Yep, I get it. I relate. I relate to her. All right. So there's some uh, some new stuff coming. Yes, this that month, was my question. Right? Too. For yes. Warriors of Waterdeep? Yes. Uh, so we have, um, we teased it a little bit at the first anniversary video that uh, that we shared. So we have a new world. We have a new chapter, a new story in the adventure called, um, we have the this area called Forestfall Fen. It is, you know, an old classic haunted forest with a swamp in the middle. And it's all kind of rotted and it's all kind of dreary and gloomy. And there's, you know, an unsettling amount of undead 
that's pop, <laughs> popping up around there. Uh, and ordinarily, most people survive it when they cross, but increasingly, it's not happening. People are going in and they're not coming out and we're being sent to investigate before, you know, the swamp takes over the forest or this whole thing takes over. So we have um, uh, another whole chapter of, well, a collection of 10, set of 10 chapters to go into the game. Wow. And that's, uh, that's going to be really, really interesting. So uh, we've also worked on how we're presenting this kind of, um, this kind of information, this was this kind of gameplay to the players. Ordinarily, it's the story so far has been linear, right? It's one chapter after another. So this would be our, if I, if I haven't lost count, set our seventh chapter. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, when this, when this, when this comes up, when we launch it, we're going to launch, we're going to preview it before we add it to the seventh chapter. So we're going to make it so that anybody can play no matter what level they are. So we're going to, it's going to be a series of events where your heroes are level seven, my heroes are level 19, 21, something like that, we will face, the monsters will scale to be appropriate to our challenge. So we'll have all the really interesting, um, we'll have all the really interesting effects that come from the new monsters, but uh, the overall power will be appropriate for the, for the player level. So nobody feels, uh, so everybody has a chance to, to explore and, uh, and, and see what that's like and get a taste for it. And then have something really cool to look forward to if they're playing it early then they you know can play th- they play through all the intervening chapters and get to it uh, later. That's really so cool. That's, uh, that's really cool. So how like for chapters like how how long does it take to get through a chapter like on average like what how, how much content is that? There's a, there's a lot of content. So uh, at the start of the game everything's pretty basic. It's pretty straightforward. The first the first world takes you a day. The second world takes you maybe two, and then it's a week. And then it's a month and then it's maybe three months where the difficulty goes up. The puzzles are more, the puzzles are more challenging and you do have to, um, you know, uh, collect your gear and level up your heroes and, you know, build up your, build up your reserve of strength to get, to get through. Also, because there are, uh, these chapters come with new monsters, they're all new puzzles for you to solve. And then, you know, do that experimentation of like, how am I going to get past this one? Uh, sometimes we play dirty tricks on you. Uh, well, you know, in the sense of um, in the sense of uh, strategy, right? You'll see a whole bunch of monsters that uh, have pushes, for example, as an effect, and then then we'll introduce ones that pull you, um, or monsters that instead of pushing you away, uh, move twice as fast, so they get close to you anyway. So there's lots of ways that we try to keep the players uh, on their toes. So this also contributes to the amount of time and the engagement that you have for the uh, uh, for these things, so we've got some, we've got some cool new creatures uh, in the Forest Fall Fen, and we've, uh, for fun, we've uh, re- we've redesigned and retooled some earlier creatures that you've seen in earlier players have seen in earlier chapters, and you know, given them different abilities for them. So you'll re-encounter things and think, oh, I know how to fight this troll, oh. and it's not necessarily mm. true. Oh my goodness. <laughs> If we've done our job correctly, it won't be it won't be necessarily true. You'll mm. have to bring a different uh, a different strategy to bear on It'll that. Yes, swampy undead feral troll. That <laughs> <is>. <laughs> I, I I miss the endless adjectives. Those were those were lots of <laughs> the template system. That was lots of fun. Uh, that, so there's there's always something new, and I mean you can look at the tooltips and you can figure it out. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, you know seeing the discussions pop up in the guild chat or in the, in the social media pages or forums or whatever, because people do, uh, people don't hide, uh, don't keep their secrets, which is great. There's a great expression of teamwork uh, yeah. uh, for these things. 
uh, the last so, time yeah, you mentioned you missed the guild chats and stuff like that. How how do guilds work in in, in Warriors of Waterdeep, and how can you know how easy is it for a new player to try to find a community that you know speaks to them? Oh, uh, so there's so guilds are um, what are they? They're uh, they're adventuring societies. As soon as you get sort of past the tutorial experience and have a have a couple of battles when you are uh, at arena level two, which is something that happens for a new for a new player within the first day. We then you know, open the guild section because you've played enough of the game and we say, hey, there are guilds. Uh, we've improved our search function so you can find guilds that have, um, uh, that are, have players that are roughly your power level. So everybody is roughly you know, the same level. It makes it easier because uh, then being you know, the new player, the, the novice trying to get in with really high level, highly engaged guilds, sometimes that's intimidating or sometimes they don't let you in. Uh, we'd also, you know, let people have like open guilds. So we have quite a few open guilds where it's just like, you know, come on, have fun. I'm, you know, I'm running guild and that's the way it is. It's just so long as you're playing, we have fun. Uh, there are, the guild itself has a chat function so you can uh, trade cards with each other. I need just a few more, uh, you know, magic staves for Shabareth so I can level her up. So if you give me the cards, that's great. And then you, you get uh, coins and XP as a reward. So there's a nice little oh. interchange that goes through that. And there are regular uh, weekly challenges for the guilds. We have these things called guild rallies where uh, for three days, right now it's all at the start of the week, there's a separate set of, um, of, uh, of encounters and that the team goes through, fights these monsters spawning from portals, collects prizes for themselves and keys for the monthly guild raid. And the monthly guild raid is the all for one mass combat scenario where instead of fighting monsters and portals, you're fighting one of our bosses over and over again, each time, you know, the boss gets harder and harder and harder. And you are trying to, you know, fill up that prize bar and unlock prizes for everyone. So if you're new, you might not get that far, but you participated. So then the, uh, the, the, the bigger players will might unlock more prizes for you, which makes you stronger, which makes you better equipped to go through and unlock more prizes for other people. And it becomes like a nice virtuous, uh, virtuous cycle. I love that. So that's how that engagement, that's how that engagement happens. And then, I mean, as soon as there's a chat function, people play D and D. There are people playing D and D in the chat, (laughs) in the guild chat. (laughs) No way, really? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, not in mine, alas. But again, it was uh, it was uh, shared in the team. So you know, lots of the lots of the developers, uh, the team members have their own uh, have their own guilds. It just like talk about all the all the, the great stuff we're never really allowed to say that we work on the game because then people are like well obviously you get everything for free <laughs> it scolds you uh which is uh which is only half true like we can choose not to do it i don't t- i don't take the free stuff i play i play with the free the stuff that everybody else has um yes. i, I respect that I that means that means you're you're legit i you know yeah. i just want to like i want to be like everyone I mean, else i'm dying to play Coriolis, but I have to wait for her event. <laughs> for Just her like everybody in. else out there. I was like, ah, over the break. <laughs> That's when it happens. That's when her week-long recruitment event happens, and I'm like, I'm there. <laughs> That's awesome. That's my boxing day expense. You're like, I'm, I'm going to spend the time <laughs> and play through. Oh, true Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yay for boxing day. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. So yeah, I, I love that that this game, uh, you know, creates these these like mini communities um, of of people who are you know obviously 
trading secrets and stuff about uh, Warriors of Waterdeep, but they're also just D and D fans uh, who are yeah. congregating, uh, you know, in, in in a new way, right? I mean, we've all have tons of communication things. There's Twitter, there's Reddit, there's there's Discord, blah blah. blah. But here is Warriors of Waterdeep, and it's got its own, you know, uh, little corner of the internet that has D and D fans talking to each other. That's yeah, yeah. It has its own, it has its own little like like micro community, uh, and it, it's very it's very cool. It's very cool to see. Um, it's fun watching them guess. It's fun watching watching people have their wish lists. It's fun watching them celebrate, you know, their victories. Complain about things when they think it's uh, you know gone wrong or whatever. So it's it's everybody's very engaged and in a constructive way. Like we're all on this we're all on this adventure together, which is uh, which yeah. is very cool. When are you going to add a dice roller to the guild chat? Um, oh, <laughs> it's not the primary function, although it is my personal wish list. <laughs> a dice roller, a little AR camera. Like I have a, I have a long list of my poor producer. <laughs> He's like, poor producer, yeah. My poor producer is like, I'd like to open the floor up to uh, suggestions from the team, and I'm like, me. Here we go. Anyone other than Steve? Anyone uh, other than Steve? Please, can we just? <laughs> it's for the people. It's what the people want. That's what I, I say. Yeah. Me, I'm the people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a person. I want these things. Uh, it's 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 it is so much fun. I mean, you know, made a game with a gelatinous cube in it. That's terrific. Made a game with a black dragon in it. Oops. Uh, there's a black dragon. It was spoiled already. I didn't really spoil it. <laughs> oh, like, oh no. Do we have to edit? Do, do we have to edit that out? No, no. It was in the it was in the uh, it was in the anniversary video. Oh. Nice. Are there any other uh, fun spoilers that yeah. you want to exclusively oh, tell us here? Sure. Let's, let's, let's. So we've talked about characters, right? We talked about what fun it is to make characters. And uh, one of our most popular characters, like, you know, in the D&D world that we got to bring to the game was, uh, was Darlaxle, right? We brought in this icon, you know, the, the pirate king, the secret king of Luskin. It was so much fun to, to bring him in and see the players get all excited. So it's time to bring in one of these high big name recognition of these big characters and so we have uh, and this is gonna be super fun i'm really looking forward to it uh sort of like laryl silverhand's uh frenemy the uh the black staff vajra saffer i pronounced that correctly i didn't check she's going to she's going to be there the the, the head of force gray that maybe who maybe inspired uh laryl to have her own warriors of water deep because why should they why should this child with my husband's soul and her staff have her own <laughs> covert ops team. I want my own covert ops team. They, we, so we're going to introduce uh, the black staff uh, into the game as, as, a, a as the next character. character. So that oh. is but like when? going to be really cool. When? As yeah. soon as possible. Uh, but like, <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, we're, we're looking, we're looking at, we're looking at March. That's as, oh, like, as okay. close as I can say. Like in a big month. Like we're, we're working on it. There's a lot of magic to do. There's what's fun about introducing, you know, new characters. That there's new mechanics to have. So one of the things that we're we're looking at is, you know, what does an archmage need to bring, you know, to the battlefield? What would make make this different? Uh, one of the things we're 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 looking at is a lot more teamwork. Uh, maybe uh, maybe a little more technical, a little more tactical um, gameplay uh, from that character, and um, maybe Bigby's hand. We're, we're we're what big spell, big spell. We're working, we're working on we're working on things, which opens up a, a nice realm of possibilities. Oh yeah, because that could end up being even a movable thing on the on yeah. the board, right? You know, a summonable fist pet or creature or ally or something like this opens up a opens up a world of possibility that's super neat 
Yeah, so, so is Vajra going to start as a level one? Uh, yeah. That you, and then you'll be able to take her up. How will the Blackstaff be dramatized with her? So the Blackstaff uh, will, be, uh, will be the legendary weapon. So the way the characters go is they have their, their, their common and rare epic and legendary suits. And then... Um, you know, uh, equipment loadouts, and they all reflect kind of the abilities. So it's really dressed for the occasion as opposed to have the costumes represent a timeline, right? Vajra still Vajra, whether she's in sort of like a more force gray field ops appropriate cloak or if she's in her full Blackstaff Academy regalia, for example. So, uh, but yeah, she needs, she needs to have a Blackstaff and she will always have a staff, uh, but she might save the Blackstaff for the really big, for the really big effects, for the really big fights. Oh, that's cool. Costume yeah, kind of like the finisher moves. We'll be using it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, there's and there's costuming, right? So the the all the outfits are in three pieces, so you can you know acquire them in different uh, phases and mix and match and, and stuff like that. Ready to wear. Ready to wear. I call that a capsule. <laughs> <laughs> it's very important. In yeah, in yeah, I'm very I'm very excited. I'm just it's it's fun to um, figure out what the story will be for everything for yeah. like what, what, what story brings her into this alliance with, um, with Laryl and, and, and bring her into this team. So it's a, it's a fun chance to, in a small way, sort of dip my toes into the, into the, the politics of Waterdeep and the, uh, and, uh, the, the rivalry and the history between the, uh, between the characters. I mean, it's not necessarily rivalry. Like that's why I said frenemy. I thought that was the best way to, yeah. uh, putting a hook on it and we'll see how it all, how it all comes. Very exciting. Yes. The design meetings are great. I bet. I think, you know, it, what might help with your research is if you watch some um, Real Housewives. <laughs> really? It's the okay. ultimate frenemies and lots of rivalries, but I think, like, yeah. interesting dynamics between characters. Yeah, I'm just saying. Oh, you yeah, know what? I'll always... do that. I'll do that research for you. Yeah, do that research for me, and we'll we'll, we'll, we'll tweet. <laughs> I'll, I'll follow along, and I'll go. Oh, mm, yeah. <laughs> so just like hashtag it, hey Steve, or something, and okay. then I'll just like I'll read the thread, and I'll be like really avid. Okay, done. <laughs> On that show, they're always fighting over who gets the black staff. They're always like, I don't know who's going to get what. <laughs> I, accessories are very important on that show. Absolutely. Yeah. They're the exclamation points on the fashion statement. I mean, I'm, you need them. I swear, I'm not I'm not lying, but this morning I also was thinking about the housewives and how if I had to choose one and build a D&D character based on that, like who would I choose? This is these are the thoughts I had while walking the dog this morning. Who yeah. would it be? Yeah. Lots of similarities. But anyway, I digress. And and the titles are similar, right? There's Warriors of Waterdeep, there's Housewives of Waterdeep. I, in from your lips, yeah. let's. They're, they're, they're con- <laughs> <laughs> These connections can be drawn. <laughs> Should they though? Ah, uh, yeah. I, mean, I say. I, don't know. I say we draw them and then we decide. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make the chart. <laughs> oh, look! It's all like this. <laughs> as soon as it goes in the whiteboard, it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. As soon as it goes amazing. The I'll get the yarn and the pins. Oh and yes, <laughs> and we'll do the Charlie Day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh yes, yes. Wide eyed, like. Ah. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, so but that's exciting. March is uh, is a good time. You know, we'll be yeah. able to, um, you know, probably have another storyline to introduce her and get all that going, and that should be uh, super fun. 
Yeah, yeah, we, we will want to have what, what's really cool about what I was talking about this this preview scheme and this balanced preview scheme that for uh, for Forest Fall Fen is it lets us do this for any of the existing old content that we have. So we can actually now start going back to places that you'd already explored and finished, and then let you replay them with new. Um, uh, at a new power level, and it's also a, you know a good reason to maybe use this as um, as character introductions. Let's you know maybe make a make a test run. Let's learn how to play the characters and and, and things mm. like that. So we've got a whole bunch of new possibilities to uh, to let people revisit and re-explore uh, re-explore the different uh, worlds of the game in a in a new way. So that's uh, that's always very exciting. And that's going to be a hard thing to balance, especially for for mobile game design because you've got a very broad spectrum of player time and attention that yeah. people play with, right? There's certainly those who play, you know, eight hours a day or, you know, a large amount of times yeah. uh, and have been maxed to the death and know how to do it. Then there's, you know, players who do once a week or, you know, yeah. once every couple of days. And, you know, you got to make sure that you're serving that entire spectrum of, of players. And so, you know, how, how do, how do the designers that you've talked to kind of, Talk to that. You know, like, what's the language that they use, and how do they do it? So we, so we, 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 we look at the terms of, uh, we look at the the idea of engagement. We look at the idea of um, of, of time spent and cadence. We want you to be able to play uh, as many kind of short sessions as you want until you're full. Like we sort of like use like a like a snacking or browsing sort of metaphor. You don't necessarily sit down for two hours of playing, but you want to be able to have a complete, uh, you know, challenge, victory, near defeat, <laughs> ultimate victory kind of experience uh, in maybe, I don't know, like three minutes or something like that, just to have like a nice little bundle of play. And then if you if you enjoy that, you can go further. Uh, what's really tricky is for the players that don't play all the time, uh, making sure that the story is developed in a way that you remember what where you're at and why you're doing what you're doing. Oh. Like what's the... Yeah. Where are you? Where are you here? I mean, the yes, recap, uh, uh, like a, like a recap, or just a, like some built-in reminders of what's happening. Um, some players like only look look primarily to story. Other players look at their character sheet as the important story in the game. So it's like you know, so this is a story when Halbinet was level seven, and now we're working towards the story when they're level nine, and they're very focused on you know accumulating the gear and playing and, and grinding. And it's not it's not quite the same as min maxing. They just they just have sort of like a they like to complete the set. They like to enrich the set and get it up to the top level. So we want to make sure that there's ways for them to play and showcase what they've done, uh, what they've accomplished that way. So that's another important detail. And there's other people that, you know, just like, um, uh, just like, like I say, like it's any different, but they are players who really enjoy the competition and, or the collaboration. So they like knowing that there's a scale, they're like there's a reward tree or a success scale and they can say, Oh, you know, this time I pushed it further. And I was able to clear, you know, 68 rooms in this endless gauntlet of dungeons, um, whereas before I could only do 50. So obviously I found a trick. <laughs> I found a good strategy and let me go and talk about it on the forums. Maybe maybe there's something I could do even better to get through the next time it comes up in the rotation. So we're really looking at like player types and player profiles and figuring out what what their definitions of success and, and, and fun are and trying to find uh, game sessions using the, all the tools that we have, all the points or the Legos in the box uh, to, to satisfy those, to satisfy those needs and keep them, you know, 
intrigued and 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 coming back for more right because it's it's too easy that's no fun it's too hard that's no fun like just you know just enough so you feel like you're scratching an itch and solving a puzzle constantly and and figuring it out the funny thing is it's not that dissimilar from being a dungeon master and realizing that there's different player types and different player Mm -hmm. uh levels of engagement for the various parts of the game you know versus exploration and 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 role play and you know strategy and all those things and you know maybe you don't necessarily cognitively realize as a dungeon master, you're trying to serve all of those different player types, but you know, you are, and it's like what you and the designers uh, for Warriors of Waterdeep are trying to do that same thing. The language is different. You know, the different mobile players are, yeah. are, are different animals than those are around the, the D and D table, but it is, it is very, very similar in trying to make sure your entire audience is getting something that they feel like they can engage with and, and, and feel successful with playing. Yeah, absolutely. You have to read the table, right? If you're yeah. playing in person, you're looking in like whose eye, whose attention is drifting and, and how, how much, I guess, how much they're bringing to the, to the game. So it's, 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 it's just like that, but we do it through like out of remove, right? We'll look at, we'll look at metrics and we'll look at the reports that players give us through their, yeah. um, through their, through their, their chats and discussions. Otherwise, and we look at it and we go, Oh, Hey, this is more. People really like this. People really played this part of it. Let's look at why, and let's. Is there something that's specific to this game mode that makes it that is make it special? Is it something that we can generalize and maybe sprinkle into the other game modes to make other people happy? Like, it's a, it's it's constantly fascinating to sort of create the thing and then road test the thing, <laughs> reverse engineer what happened. That's uh, that's yeah. uh, one of the things I like about the mobile gaming. And it's lessons uh, that um, you know the design. Uh, team for Dungeons Dragons Fifth Edition did for D and D Next was you know to how to quantify the metrics of what people are engaging with and or or not and we you know goes through with uh, Unarth Arcana and the response there and then you see yeah. it in Tasha's and how we've updated all that stuff and it's, you guys are doing that um, you know on a, on a different scale in a different way with different tools but it's it's essentially that same idea that the fans are driving the design of of Dungeons Dragons storytelling and role playing yeah. games going forward whether on digital or at the table that's right that's right and they, they, they give you the ideas and then you still have room to surprise them with the ideas that they've given you and then it's uh, it's it's great it's very I find it very uh, creatively fulfilling because there's all kinds of more there's the, feed, the feedback is great and just knowing that they're engaging with everything is uh, is, is really is really exciting it's great for the team everyone's really happy when stuff comes out we're like oh hey somebody found a way to even if it's something silly like hey we found a way to break it <laughs> nobody, ever thought, nobody ever saw that coming That's oh my goodness <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but they loved it so intensely yes. that, that, that they figured it out and we're like oh maybe we'll maybe we'll tweak that part uh and, and we'll fix it but uh it was it, it's great to see how fast they uh let players take up well, you're doing it. You're doing it. And yep. this this whole, you know, quote unquote job thing that you've got going on here, uh, it's real. It's real. And it's really uh, affecting a lot of uh, awesome fans out there. So thank you. And thank you to all the team at Ludia for, uh, you know, keeping up this content stream for Warriors of Waterdeep. And I hope uh, people will hear this and and, and jump in and, and see yeah. what, what's changed over the last few years or, you know, get excited to, to jump in for the first time. Yeah. If you played for a little bit, come back, in, you know, come back in. If you're still playing, well, I've spoiled some stuff. <laughs> so well, stick around all good stuff lots all of good, good stuff. stuff coming you can find us at uh, worriesofwaterdeep.com of course and at your uh, mobile uh, play store of choice awesome thank you so much uh, thank Steve, you for coming on hope you have a happy holidays uh, get some time to, to roll some dice with your family and uh, that boxing day is a success <laughs>
<laughs> Happy Boxing Day. Thank you. Boxing Day. <laughs> Always good to chat with you. That was fantastic. I love uh, speaking to people who are working on uh, Dungeons and Dragons iterations in different mediums. Uh, Warriors of Waterdeep is a fantastic game. Check it out if you can. Um, and I hope uh, everybody is preparing for the holidays, uh, hopefully getting some time off and some breaks. Um, and as we said uh, in the opening, there's definitely a lot of uh, D&D themed holiday specials that you can jump into. In addition to all the wonderful holiday specials that are available streaming everywhere, um, follow all of those at DungeonsAndDragons.com or you can check it out at Wizards underscore DND on Twitter. You can follow me. I'm at Greg Tito on Twitter. And where are you, Shelly? I am at Shelly on Twitter and Instagram. Very exciting all around. And I think it's time we get to our last session of the Adventures of Drunky Tissues. I don't even know what to do. Last time uh, you made it onto a boat um, that you believe your brother, Daryl, was on. You had a bit of a fracas as you try to go below decks. You had heard uh, a cat voice uh, respond to you in the tabaxi language. Um, that you would think sounded like your brother, Daryl, um, and you dodged an attack from the skipper of that boat and opened the door to, the, to go below decks. You By the see, way, I love that show. Uh, a very dark, <laughs> a very dark uh, uh, passageway, um, and it leads to a hole that's full of um, musty seawater. Uh, doesn't smell very good down here, uh, but in the corner, through small little bits of sunlight that are coming in between the planks uh, and the small portholes in here, you see a uh, face that is leaning down um, and uh, kind of trying to look around, and it's got a lot of fur all around it. Uh, but then you also see iron shackles and uh, manacles around the tabaxi's wrists. What do you do? I, I jump to him, and I, I first identify, is this Daryl? Is this, is this my brother? Daryl! You say that? Okay, so yeah, his face looks up and he looks at you, and it is Daryl. He's there and he says, ah! Drunky, you're here. How is this possible? I'll tell you all about it. Let's get you out of here. Please. Okay. Uh, I can't can move. I take my... Do I, oh, crap. I can, can I start whacking at those shackles with my short sword or something? Uh, yeah, you- sure. Uh, roll me a... Um, uh, a sleight of hand. Are you? Yeah. So yeah. Just mm. um, you're, you're just trying to hit it with your, your short sword to trying to break the lock. Yes. Okay. So then go ahead and roll me an attack. Seventeen. Oh wait, a, an attack with my short sword. If that's what you want to use, yeah. Yes, okay. I so do. You, oh, then yeah, it's a twenty. Wow. Okay. Great. Um, so yeah, you you aim true. You don't hit your brother. Um, you actually use the pommel and just bust off the lock. Luckily, it's a old rusty lock and not extremely well made and they they break off of one and it's just he's like whoa that was mm. good i thought you were gonna hit my hand off no 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 um yeah, and like, he gets free and he oh my gosh trucky and he embraces you he gives you no time for that furry yeah. let's okay. go okay okay 
I I think there's only one way out of this boat, right? And that's back the way I came? Or is there like a hatch or anything we can jump out of? There's no hatches down here. Um, but yeah, you want to go back up? Yes, we're just finding the nearest exit. Okay. Uh, so you go back up and um, a Drunkie is kind of, you know, slow and you're kind of having to bring him along, but you're able to kind of get up the stairs uh, as he's trying to, you know, he's yep. rubbing his, his arms and he's trying to be okay. And it's like his fur's all matted. It's gross. There's there's clumps of it everywhere. And you get out on the on the deck and and your sailor friend is was whacking an oar and he's trying to hold off what's happening. And he glances over and he says, oh, is that what you were trying to find? Yes. And he's all like, right. let's go. Let's go. Let's and he dive. jumps off the boat into the water. Into the water? Yeah. Where's our boat that we showed up it's, on? It's, you know, it's drifted right. away a little bit. It didn't Let's enter. go. We're, we're jumping in. I grab, I grab Daryl and I, I said, hold on to me. And I just dive into the water. Nice. So yeah, the two of you, uh, Tabaxi, uh, jump off the boat and you're in midair and you know, the sun is shining. The guys on the boat behind you are like, you bring him back. They're shaking their fists. Uh, but you are free in the air and about to fall into the water. And that's when we'll pick it up in 2021. I, I actually feel like I might cry a little. Oh, I just have my brother tucked under my arm. And we hate water so much, but... <laughs> Yeah, cats love water. You just can't uh, wait to get a saucer of milk and just sit with him. That's awesome. Drunky oh. and Daryl together again. It's like that freeze frame, uh, you know, fall guy. An explosion of the boat happens uh, behind you maybe. Yes. We'll, we'll pick it up there. What? But. You're a good dungeon master because you paced that so perfectly that we would end now. It at worked the conclusion out. of this year. It worked out. You made all the right choices. Congratulations, Shelly. It's been fun telling this yes. story, and I can't wait to continue in 2021. Oh, I'm so happy. Thank you. Happy Hi, everybody. Year. Have a great holiday break. Yes. Uh, we will be back in January uh, with new episodes, new interviews, uh, lots of great stuff. Lots of good ones already on the schedule. I know. I can't wait. Uh, it is going to be great. So shout out to Ryan Marth. Uh, who edits and puts together all of these episodes. Shout out to Lisa Carr, who books all of our interviews and comes the show for us. You do great work. Thank you. Thank you to Shelly for being one of my favorite co-hosts ever. Thank you, Greg, being (laughs) one of my favorite people and co-hosts and co-author. Yay. Yay. And littermate. Very excited to see the adventures of Drunky and Daryl continue. Who knows Back together. what uh, m- milk dishes they will overturn. Who knows? We'll probably co-author a children's book after this. Drunky the and Adventures Darryl. of Drunky and Daryl. I know so many parents who are excited to buy anything that has Drunky on the cover. Yep. <laughs> I agree. We'll get out there and roll some dice uh, this uh, holiday season, and we'll see you in 2021. Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks, everybody, from from everyone here at Dragon Talk. You're the best. Bye. Bye.